What if bridges could talk to you? What would they say? Is it possible to 3D print a heart? These are the types of questions that Carnegie Mellon engineering researchers are answering, testing, and applying to the real world. This podcast series will bring them all together. Today we're going to be discussing a recent study on electric vehicles. So if you own an electric car, or if you're thinking about buying one, you might want to hear about this. The paper, which came out in the journal Environmental Science and Technology in February 2015, set out to answer this question. How do differences in climate across the United States, from the really hot to the really cold, affect the efficiency, range, and emissions of electric vehicles? Today, I'm speaking with two of the study's authors. I'm Jeremy Mahalik. I'm a professor of mechanical engineering and engineering and public policy at Carnegie Mellon University. And I'm Tuche Yuxal. I am a PhD student in mechanical engineering at Carnegie Mellon University. Since part of your paper is about how the climate and weather affects the performance of electric vehicles, I'll start by asking, what do you think of the weather right now here in Pittsburgh? <laughs> it's really cold. <laughs> the road conditions are terrible, too. So, <laughs> Now, this paper focuses on battery electric vehicles. Can you just take a real quick minute to explain what those are? Yeah, sure. Battery electric vehicles are cars where instead of an engine, you have a battery that you charge uh, from the plug in your house, and then you can use it as a fuel source you know, to run your car. So instead of gasoline, you use electricity as a fuel source. All right, so jumping right into the paper, your paper found that cold days, or very hot days, can actually reduce the range of these battery electric vehicles up to 40%. I would think that the range on a gasoline vehicle might also be affected by extreme weather since it also has a battery, right? Well, it is, it's not just the battery because the battery in the gasoline vehicles are kind of different than what we use in battery electric vehicles. But engine efficiency uh, decreases with cold weather too. So you can expect more fuel consumption in cold weather from your gasoline engine too. And also in hot weather conditions, again, the drivers will want to use the air conditioning to condition their cabin, and this will again increase the fuel consumption. However, range is, a, is more of an issue for a battery electric vehicle because it takes how much, like two minutes to fill your, refill your gas tank. However, you, with the battery electric vehicles, especially with the current technology, you don't have that luxury anymore uh, or yet. <laughs> so uh, range is more of an issue for a battery electric vehicle. So your study actually looked at different parts of the country, different regions with different climates. Um, what parts of the U.S. do battery electric vehicles have the highest driving range? Uh, well, it's pretty clear that uh, in areas like around the California coast that have uh, mild weather that's pretty consistent all, all year long, uh, the range never is going to dip that low uh, for an average driver because you never experience these peak high or peak low temperatures. Uh, the areas that do have peak high temperatures, say in Phoenix, uh, Arizona, or peak low temperatures like Rochester, Minnesota, uh, in, those are the cases where you're going to see days of the year where the range is particularly limited. Interesting. So when I'm thinking about batteries that I'm recharging, every time I recharge, that kind of decreases the, the life of that battery. If you're charging much more frequently in cold climates, say Minnesota during the winter, you would also think that that affects the overall life expectancy of the battery. Is that true? 
probably because uh, the more you use the battery, charging is a form of using the battery, uh, the more the battery will lose its uh, capacity, basically. Generally, batteries degrade more quickly when they're hot rather than when they're cold, although there can be other factors that kick in when batteries get very cold. Um, so the degradation patterns can be relatively complicated, but they do depend on the temperature of the battery itself, not directly on the temperature of the outside. So if the vehicle has a thermal management system to maintain the battery at a desired temperature, that can help extend the life even if the external temperature is hotter and colder. So the effect is relatively complicated and we're working on another study to try to quantify these effects. Cool. So you also found that electric vehicles can be more or less polluting in different parts of the country. First of all, can you just help us all understand how electric vehicles, which have zero tailpipe emissions, are polluting? Sure, there's no tailpipe emissions, but when you recharge the vehicle, the power plant that generates the electricity to charge that vehicle does have emissions. And so do the upstream mines and wells used to generate the fossil fuels that are burned in those plants. Then what's the catch here? With battery electric vehicles, it sounds like we're just displacing when and where the pollution enters the air. That's true, and there's also a different uh, composition of which pollutants are released from tailpipes versus power plants. Um, but in our study, we're mostly focused on greenhouse gas emissions. It turns out that it doesn't really matter much where you release those. All that matters is how much gets released. Uh, so for greenhouse gas emissions, uh, we're just looking at the total emissions from the, whether it comes from the power plant or anywhere else, and that's what we've attempted to quantify. Then what parts of the country have the most polluting electricity generation? The upper Midwest particularly is uh, quite dirty <laughs> in that sense. Um, it is mostly coal-based. And then in the parts of the country that are generating less pollution for electricity, uh, how are they generating theirs? Well, I think the most commonly used uh, source will be uh, natural gas, okay. uh, which is more, way more cleaner. Uh, and also we see some other uh, renewable energy sources in certain parts of the country, especially around uh, Pacific Coast or California region, like solar um, and we see some uh, wind power uh, plants. So while it's true that there's more renewables in the West, again, it comes back to the question here is which are the plants that are going to respond to the new elect uh, electricity demand from these electric vehicles? And that still comes down primarily to coal versus natural gas. Generally, fossil fuel plants do the responding on the margin. Um, if you have a, a wind power plant, for example, you're generally going to sell all the electricity that you can generate from it all the time. Uh, same thing with a nuclear power plant. You don't ramp it up and down as the as people turn on and off the lights. Uh, you just run it at a constant. So that those types of plants don't tend to change their output in response to new load. The things that change are natural gas plants and coal plants primarily. Gotcha. So let's bring it home here. Given the climate and the grid mix, where in the U.S. will I get the biggest bang for my buck with a battery electric vehicle? Uh, I guess it, uh, the answer depends a little bit on what you're putting in your scope because, for example, uh, state governments do offer big subsidies and those subsidies are different from state to state. So if a, if a state is offering you $5,000 toward the uh, purchase of your vehicle on top of the $7,500 offered by the federal government, that, you know, that's a help in the, to, to the pocketbook. But if you're just looking at uh, where you're going to get the best range and have the least emissions with an electric vehicle, it's pretty clear that the West, in particular the California coast, where the weather's mild and the power generation sources are pretty clean, is a very good place for uh, electric vehicles. 
uh, in contrast to, in particular, the northern Midwest, where not only is it really cold a large part of the year, uh, but it's, uh, we, the uh, mix of electricity sources is also heavily dependent on coal, especially the ones that respond to that new electric vehicle demand. So should people in really hot places or really cold places still invest in battery electric vehicles? Uh, it is hard to say that these people shouldn't invest in electric vehicles at all, uh, because not only temperature is uh, significant in uh, what the range or the energy consumption or emission, it is also how you drive your vehicle is important too. So what we are trying to say in this paper is this is something that researchers and uh, maybe policy analysts should look into when they are trying to make decisions on promoting electrified vehicles in different regions. In that regard, then, what kinds of things are being done right now to kind of level the playing field around the country? Sure, yeah, in a couple of ways. Um, as batteries get cheaper and more energy dense and we're able to put uh, more of them into vehicles so that the vehicle can get a longer range, then the range reduction issue won't be as big of a problem. Uh, like uh, Tuche mentioned that gasoline vehicles also drive a shorter range when it's cold outside, but nobody really cares because they drive plenty far and they're f quick to refuel. So as we improve electric vehicle technology, that could become, the range issue could become less of an issue. Um, the other thing is that um, uh, we know that the range and efficiency will be affected by he heat and cold, but as we get better at uh, improving the battery technology so that it's the efficiency drop in the cold is not so bad, and we also uh, improve the efficiency of electric heaters and air conditioners, that will somewhat mitigate this effect. This podcast has been brought to you by Carnegie Mellon University's College of Engineering. I'm Daniel Tatchik.